Hey, buddy. Howdy. How you doing? Oh, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. Just, just okay. How's your knee doing? Uh, knee is fine, I think. Uh, did it, you have stitches then? No stitches. They just kind of taped it shut and then mm. put some glue on the tape, which I totally could have done myself. Yeah, so not it, really, not really that big of a of a change from something you could do. Yeah, did I send you pictures of it? You did send me pictures of it. It was pretty pretty gnarly looking, but not not after you cleaned it. Yeah. So, oh yeah, those were the real good ones. Where because it's like a flap of skin, you know. Ooh. So, so like you can't you don't really stitch that up because the skin's gonna die and like come off. But oh, it's, yeah. but here's the thing, it's still on there. So I'm not really I don't know. Whatever's oh. gonna happen is gonna happen. It's flesh wound. <laughs> it's gonna be fine. That's so gross, man. Yeah, it's yeah, I've been having like a weird uh like month, which I don't normally say that. You know what I mean? Like I don't have <laughs> like oh, I'm having a bad week. I always look at people funny when they're like, Oh, I'm having a whole bad I'm like a whole week? Just every day is <laughs> just bad. But you know, I've it's been a challenging week. So I'm sorry, man. Well, I'm glad you're not hurt worse than you could have been. Thank you. That's pretty pretty good. All right. Um, what is your name, sir? I'm Chris Hildreth. Oh, how old are you, Chris Hildreth? I'm uh thirty-one. Thirty-one? Yep. Oh man, I thought you were I thought you were older than me. No, I'm thirty-one. Uh, all right. Um, what, what, uh, what project you're, you do guillotine cycling, right? Yep. That's nice. my team. Can you tell me a little bit about guillotine? I know just from, you know, heavy pedal stuff in your posts, but sure. For anybody who does not know what you do or guillotine, please tell. Yeah, sure. Um, so guillotine cycling, um, me and, uh, Max Haggard started guillotine cycling, uh, End of 2019, coming into 2020, basically right before COVID. Um, 2020 was kind of our, uh, like our first year. But anyway, it's a, uh, we are a domestic elite uh, cycling team um, with a crit focus. Um, we also, it, each person on this team also has like their individual disciplines that they, uh, are respectively competing in. Um, we're a D1 team, uh, which puts us, I mean, we race the highest um, level of, of competition in cycling domestically. So, nice. yeah, it's and what cool. Do you, what do you focus on? Uh, criterium. My, my goal for the year is uh, a national championship. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome, man. Yeah. How you doing? How are you how are you feeling about it? Well, um it's uh I was feeling better. I actually recently just took a trip to Panama and yeah, had I saw that man. It just had a lot of bad luck over there. Um bike racing is uh there's a lot of luck involved. I also made some mistakes, which I you know, I can't overlook that, but I mean, I had some did mechanics. You, did you crash that race? Yeah. I, well, there was four races, and I and I did crash at one of them. Oh, um, 
I mean, when you're getting pushed from both sides and trying to keep the wheel, it's, there's just a lot going on. Um, and a lot of the people that we were racing with, uh, they don't really race criterium. Not to say that some of the teams weren't really good and, and like a lot of talent and everybody had a lot of fitness, but they just don't really race criterium. So there's no, uh, uh, there's no kind of understanding of like, this is the beginning of the race. You don't have to push anybody. So Mm -hmm. I was just getting like fucking, uh, jostled a lot and, uh, made one mistake. That's all it takes in bike racing, you know? So. And then I got mechanicals. I got a flat in one of the races, and then I was having trouble with my gearing in in the last race and didn't even really get to race that one. So it's just – sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. You don't – Yeah, for sure. But coming back from there, I got sick and uh, took three different COVID tests, didn't uh, test positive for any of them. Um, I still think I had that I did get COVID, though, because I just took the first vaccine. Mm -hmm. Um, and it like, I thought I was going to die. I mean, this, this thing put me out like, yeah. Yeah. What did you get? The Moderna worm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't gotten Moderna. I have, I have Pfizer. I think my wife got Pfizer too. And it kind of wiped our our asses too. Dude. Uh, yeah. They say if they say, if you've had COVID within the last 90 days that you have like a crazy reaction to the first shot. And that's kind of what happened. So it's like, huh. yeah, I don't know, man. Makes sense. Yeah. So just recovering from that and um, trying to get back on track to, to meet my goals. Um, that's in nice. about two months. So it's kind of crunch time right next now. Races, next race is in two months? No, next. I mean, if I feel up to it, next race is Sunday. Like th- this Sunday. Um, that's in six days from now. I mean, it's race season so there's there's yeah, races yeah. every weekend you know um god damn chris you're always getting it always getting it man trying <laughs> yeah. um well we're here to talk about recovery and your sobriety i love that um what do you, do you consider yourself sober my friend yeah yeah yes in recovery do you consider yourself in recovery um yeah Re- recovered yeah. i would say recovered yeah you don't get do you, do you still go to meetings and stuff i do yeah um nice. i'm not super active anymore um i still uh have a sponsor i still make mm, i make meetings but i'm really sporadic right now and i don't have an excuse for that either i'm trying to get back regular um because i feel better when i do oh for sure yeah it's a definitely one of those things that I feel I've been leading meetings lately and I feel like, like the zooms and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm not getting as much as I could get out of it because I'm like servicing and, you know, not just kind of like listening to people, but yeah, I feel, I feel, so I kind of feel a little bit out of whack because I haven't been able to like get to meetings. Are they doing in-person meetings in California yet? No. We'll probably be the last place that does that. Yeah. Where are you? Where are you again? Are you LA? Yeah, I live in LA. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, what was your life like before you were sober, Chris? Oh man, I mean, how much time do you have? <laughs> Let's go for it, man. Go. I got time, man. So, and I want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, 
I mean, it started really young for me. Like my kind of progression into alcoholism, you know, like when I talk about my life in the context of alcoholism and people ask me what it was like, I have to start when I was like eight. I just kind of crawled in my head and and I was never able to get back out. I, I used to think about uh, death constantly. Um, I had this like really morbid, I guess existentialism for lack of, uh, you know, mm. uh, any way to really articulate it. Um, just really like a morbid kid and then depression. I was sick a lot. Um, I got prescribed, uh, speed because, uh, I was diagnosed yeah. ADHD mm. and, um, mm-hmm. that kind of ruined my, my life for a little while. Um, I had a lot of. Do you think? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, man. I just I had a lot of like really fucked up, uh, like side effects from the drugs that I was on when I was a kid, and my parents did like they didn't really know, you know, they were yeah. I just wasn't doing well in school because I didn't want to be there, and they thought like, well, you have ADHD, which I, I'm sure you could diagnose me with the same thing today, um, and they wanted to help me so that I was on drugs you so you say you said eight years old right yeah there's something um, like that yeah do you know and this this might be a too personal of a question chris but do you think like because you said your parents were trying to help you do you think there were like factors of childhood shit with your parents that like factored into the the kind of getting in your head shit um i mean yeah i mean being oh, yeah. a fucking kid i mean every yeah. everything that is in a kid's psyche comes from somewhere. This stuff doesn't come from a vacuum. And I grew up in a pretty like wild kind of household. I don't remember a lot of the shit that my dad tells me about went on, but they, they partied like they for real partied. Um, Where are you from again? Illinois. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I think you, I think you told me that a while, a long time ago. Yeah. About, 80 miles from Chicago, just kind of out in the sticks, corn and bean fields, you know, small town factories. My mom's been working in factories her whole life. My dad used to work in an oil field when he was real young. And then he worked in a slaughterhouse. Um, Jesus. That's like real out there, man. <laughs> like, like if you're doing shit like that, like you're out kind of, like you said, in the sticks. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm from like real real corn fed hours shit. Uh, and, um, they, uh, they, they're just like real proletarian type working class people. You know what I mean? Like they, they did all they could for themselves and for me. And, but they, I mean, it was a different time and, you know, uh, there's not a lot of opportunity in the place that I grew up like next to none. I mean, it's now it's even worse. Um, you'd be lucky to even, really? oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I mean, there's a lot of places in the middle of this country that are very, very dark. You either work in an Amazon factory or you don't have employment. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah, fucking big business, man, for real. Yeah, industry is going away, but that's that's a different thing. Anyway, like they used yeah. to, they used to party, and you know, they they had some real wild shit going on when I was growing up. And I do remember some of it. I remember them fighting and, you know, I remember uh, my dad has, you know, 
he he got injured when he was lifting hogs onto a fucking conveyor belt for probably 12 hours a day or whatever he did you know at the slaughterhouse and uh he he's been um he has been uh not not exactly handicapped but just like disabled um uh from his back i mean he's had four discs removed and uh he's literally shorter than he than he was growing up um because of because of the way his spine has settled and like his his back complications and and you know it just it's like it was hard to watch you know and i used to think about you know one day they're both gonna die and then what am i gonna do you know what i mean like there was just yeah i I know now from being an alcoholics anonymous that this is self-centeredness this is self-centered fear manifested in in a child you know and i but i didn't know how to deal with that i was i was a child you know but i had this like deep self-centered fear uh, my whole life long before i ever took a drink so do you think you're like yeah i told i mean i totally agree with you like 100 percent like that that self-centered fear like yeah it's there it's i, I mean like for me i I, I agree with you 100%. Like, I think it was there for me way before I started drinking or doing bad shit, period. Like, I've always kind of had that inside of me. Um, but do you think, do you know, do you know when you first started drinking or like started like really like being like, oh, this shit kind of feels good? Like, um, and I get out of my head. Well, remember the first time I ever drank? Uh, I must have been in. I was either in seventh or eighth grade. I don't know how old that makes me. Eleven or twelve. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's twelve. I think it's yeah, 12. like twelve. Because you're like thirteen when you go into high okay. school. And yeah, uh, yeah. man, I needed a drink by that time. <laughs> I like really <laughs> did. I I I needed a drink by that time. And I remember the first time I ever drank, I was drinking like Skull vodka, which is like plastic handle vodka yeah. and water because our, our our friend's mom used to just buy us drugs and alcohol like and, you know there's always that one mom the cool mom you know <laughs> i found the cool mom really early um i was friends with her son kind of he was a total piece <laughs> of shit later joined the air force which of course he did um yeah and uh yeah and i threw up all over myself and blacked out on the ground with like, I think, I think my pants were probably around my ankles. This is how I imagine it anyway, in a bowling alley parking lot. Like, I mean, just very picturesque and that's kind of what it looked like. You know, that's kind of what it looked like. (laughs) I um, didn't drink so much after that because I'm a puker. I, I don't like things that really like make me cause alcohol made me dizzy. You know, I, I, I did yeah. drink. I would always take a drink, you know what I mean? But that wasn't like my thing. I, I, I really liked to smoke pot because it just made the racing thoughts go away. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, well, yeah, with ADHD, it, yeah. like I remember, yeah, I have ADHD too. So like, I definitely get that. Cause you, yeah, it's a, the dizziness mm-hmm. sucks. I hated that shit, but I mean, but then it, again, I wasn't really like a pothead. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, anytime I like somebody would like offer me a drink, I would drink it. Like, it's not like I was right. like, oh. 
Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't my first thing that I would reach for, but it was there from the time. It was like one of the first things I ever did. And I drank until the day I got sober. So it, Mm. you know, but I, I, my dad, um, you know, he's sold pot for, um, forever to supplement his income because he, you know, couldn't work and shit's hard out there, you know? So, so he, uh, always had like some pot around and I could always just steal some pot. So I was stealing weed from him for like ever. And I was very young. I mean, I was 12, 13 and I had like the best weed that anybody in Illinois has ever seen in their life. Um, because your dad was the was he was kind of he was like kind of the man, but he didn't he didn't want to be like a big time drug dealer or any of that shit. He yeah. was not interested in that. He's a humble dude and he's smart. You know he he knows better than to bring attention like that around his family because he was trying to take care of his family. You know, like legit. Yeah, he wasn't sure. trying to be the fucking boss. He knows people like that. I mean, he knows people that are you know doing the thing. Because um, yeah. later on, I would. I would like want to be that person, you know, um, I, I like wanted to be like the fucking Don or whatever. Like I, I was so, uh, you know, up my own ass all the time. Um, but yeah, it was just, I, I smoked weed religiously from the, from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep, I had to be high because I, I needed it. You know, I needed it to slow down my head. Um, because I don't think straight. You know, I got, I got something wrong with me and I don't know what it is. And other people don't seem to have it. And, and the thing growing up for me was like, everybody else just kind of seems to know what to do. You know, they know where to go and who to talk to and all the right paperwork to fill out and which line they need to stand in when they go to this government building. And they, they know all of this and they didn't really even have to ask anybody. And I just missed I just missed that day in school when they gave out like, you know, the book of life. And that's like a real AA cliche, but that shit is real. I mean, that is really how I could define what childhood felt like. Like everybody else around me just knew what to do. And I was just like, uh, what? I, I don't know. And the, and the thing is, is like, I didn't know how to ask either. You know, I wouldn't. Were you, were you a good kid in school? No, no, I wasn't. No. Um, I wasn't. I just said that because, like, I feel that I feel the same way. Like, I, I haven't heard that before. That like, the asking, like, just like feeling like you missed that day in school, yeah. kind of thing. Like, but I definitely feel like that. Like, I mean, even now, I still feel like that. Like, there are times that I'm like, oh yeah, like everybody else gets this, and I'm like asking questions and like, being like, uh, uh, can I, can I, can you help me? And like, I, you yep. know, to, yeah. Totally it's, a, it's a hard way but to live, I, especially I, for a kid, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially, yeah, especially for a kid. It's like all your friends are, like, doing what they're supposed to do and, like, or, you know, or quote-unquote supposed to do and, like, you're kind of stuck left behind. And that just feels fucking weird. Yeah. Super. So you weren't a good kid in school, so you were, like, were you, like, one of the misfits? Yeah. Yeah, I was. I, um... Like, would like refuse to do homework. Like I would not do homework when I, when they let me out of the cage that like was school, I did not want to fucking think about school for some reason. I just have 
I just have this thing where it's like, I, I don't want to do it and I'm not going to. And, um, I have like, I have like a crazy, crazy will, you know, where, where I'm like the, like I can, I can will myself into anything, but like, I just could not bring myself to want to do schoolwork and they would test me and stuff. And I, you know, I paid attention enough in class that I could always pass tests, but I would just never do homework and everything was graded on all the work you had to do throughout the semester or whatever. And I just didn't do any of it. So I, I was always like kind of failing school, even really young. So they were like, he's fucking smart. He just doesn't do anything because I didn't care about it. I was like, why should I have to do this? This is meaningless. I, you know, it's dumb. But, um, but that's like, so, I mean, but that's like true for like fucking everything, right? <laughs> like I fucking hated school period. Like I hated school and like didn't want to do fucking homework. I think that whole system is bullshit in my opinion. It's like, if your kids don't want to do homework, like they're not like, you shouldn't grade something on like that. Like if they're paying attention and like, yeah, you know, take tests and doing well, like, should we be? forcing homework down kids throats like yeah, I it's com- i mean it's complicated like you, you, you there yeah. are a lot of ways to teach somebody it's just uh and you know a lot of our curriculum is very uh kind of pedantic in in a sense that uh we teach people shit that they don't need to know in school you know yeah uh oh. like there i mean it's like a cliche in America that you're going to get taught a bunch of stuff that you're never going to use. What are you going to have a calculator in your pocket someday? And it's like, yes, I, I actually do now, but that, you know, that's just by chance. Nobody knew that one day we'd be walking around with a supercomputer at that time in our pocket. I guess I'm that old now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I, I don't know. That's funny. Um, so how was high school for you then in general? Love you. I mean, we covered a little bit of it, but so high school, were you like the part of your party? Yes. Dude? So I start dating this girl, um, cause I got big hard eyes for this girl and, and her brother, like her older brother is, uh, like a junior or a senior. And, uh, he's like the cool guy, but like party cool guy. And uh, he liked to do cocaine. So I ended up hanging out with him a lot. And when I was a freshman in high school, I was doing cocaine every weekend. And we could get, you know, close to a gram of coke for like rock coke, like hard, you know, like really good cocaine for 20 bucks sometimes. I mean, like Illinois, there's a lot of good drugs in Illinois. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of good coke and heroin. That's what's the what, real quick with the so the city you grew up in? What was it's, the city? Uh, it's called Rochelle. Okay, and then what was it? Was it a, a uh, ten thousand? Yeah, so small. Okay, that's crazy that you could get good coke in a ten thousand. Yeah, person. yeah. I mean, he knew the dude. We we would just go over there. I get twenty bucks for my dad or whatever. Tell him I, I needed it to you know eat or like. They would just throw me cash, you know what I mean? If they had it, they would give me money. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, we for twenty bucks I could get almost a, a fucking gram of cocaine, and then we would just. He actually taught me how to drive because I didn't know how to cut lines. So he, um, mm. 
instead of teaching them how to cut lines, he was like, well, you're going to drive the car and we're just going to like go on. We called them roadies. Everybody knows what a roadie is. I think we just go out on a roadie out in the country roads and drive around and, and mm-hmm. do coke all night. And we did that all the time. And then he, he was like the party guy too. So we went to house parties every weekend and it, it was fun. It was like fun for a while. And then, you know, um, I was always like a little bit problematic though, because I would like get too drunk and throw up on somebody or like, I was just like wild. You know what I mean? And I was all, I was also yeah. crazy young. They were like, how old is this dude? And I'd be like 18. And I was like 13, like literally a child, you know, we used, we used to go to parties <laughs> at NIU in, in, in DeKalb, like in uh, Northern Illinois university. And we would go to like the frat rows and they just be like, yo, just tell them you're 18. If anybody asks. And I, I was partying like a college kid when I was like 13, like a college kid who wasn't going to make it through college. You know what I mean? Like, like not like an innocent college kid, like a, well, you had like nothing to lose at the age of 13. Like you're just fucking 13 doing drugs. Like, yeah, you know, like, um, did you get, did you, I did. So here's, here's the thing. They actually sent me, because they knew I didn't do homework, but they, they wanted me to like still pass. They were like, well, you're not, you know what I mean? Like they didn't want to just cast me off, which was kind of cool. Um, but they were like, they, they sent me to an alternative school is what they did because they didn't, they didn't have any, um, homework at that school. So I, I went to the school and it was like where all the surrounding cities and towns all around DeKalb, which is the college town, um, all the surrounding mm-hmm. cities and towns would send all their worst kids there. So there was like cops on campus and like, you didn't see that yeah. in the small town that I grew up in. Cause it was 10,000 people. There was like, I don't know, two or 300 kids in the high school or whatever. There was no cops in school or anything like that. The teachers basically acted like cops, but there was never any like real trouble. But when I went to this school, like if you mouthed off, you could get fucking hurt. Somebody would clock you in your mouth. You know what I mean? Which was kind of more like almost like comfortable. You know, it was like knowing you couldn't like get away with shit. Like you could like, like the the town you came from, like you could kind of get away with it, but like, in a nice way or like at least if you were to put in your place like you would be like reprimanded yeah kind of i i just always kind of grew up feeling like less less than but in a way that i'm like i'm like the hood rat you know what i mean like like i kind of broke and i always had that in the back of my mind for some reason i don't know where i i kind of picked that up from but i always was like self-conscious about that and uh you know, when I realized how much like arbitrary work it was going to take to be like a good kid, I was like, I'm just going to be the worst kid. You know, I'm going to like be known for how mm. bad I am. So I just, <laughs> I, yeah, man, fucking yeah. All in. I mean, that's kind of the type of person that I am. Even today, I, I'm either doing it or I'm not. And I'm going all in, you know. Yeah, for sure. I feel like, well, I feel like people who are, are like us, like, definitely, like, you're either all or nothing for, like, yeah. for something. Not necessarily, like, 
a specific thing. It's like fucking anything. It's not just, you know, like I can't just have like one of anything. Like I have to go Absolutely. fucking all, all the way. You know, it's like if I'm going to get it's like tattoos for me, it's like if I'm going to get tattooed, I'm going to cover my fucking body. Like I'm not going to, you know, just get like a little flower or some shit like that flower is going to blossom into a sleeve and yeah. or some, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel you on that 100%. I feel like that's been my entire life. Yeah, I kind of have that for everything. So you go... Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think there's always, like... I mean, you know, now that I'm sober, like, I feel like it is... It's all or nothing with other things. Not necessarily just, you know... Because, like, obviously, I don't drink or smoke or anything like that. But, you know, like, go yep. all in. <laughs> um, so you get through high school... Um... I did not did get you ever, high did you, did you also. So I, I so got to like my senior okay. year, and what had happened was okay. my friend had fronted some crack from our dealer in um, another neighboring town, Rockford, which is a really bad – it's like a really fucking bad place. There's, I mean, Chicago was like pretty bad at that time. Rockford was like kind of worse, and, and we would go to the projects there – and 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 get cracked and uh one day my friend he went he went up there to like my dealer and fronted some crack and he didn't plan on paying her back so she was calling me i think back on how insane this was she was calling me i was on the school bus on my way to school and she's calling me talking about like your homie just fronted some crack for me he owes me 50 bucks and if he doesn't get it, you better fucking do something about it. So I was like, oh, I got to I gotta whoop this dude's ass. Automatically, that was my first thought. This is like my friend, yeah. you know? And so uh, yeah. my, my other friend and I, whose who's dealer uh, this also was, um, we found him in the school parking lot and we just beat the shit out of him. And um, – I, I, I later made amends to him because it was so trash. It, it sucked so much, but I beat the shit out of him. And then I was rolling and my friend was tripping and uh, we got arrested uh, later that day. And then the school called and, and expelled me. So I didn't exactly make it through high school. I, I made it right to the end and then they kicked me out. Was this at the school that was? No, this was at was the. Like <laughs> this was at the at the high school in Rochelle. Yeah, so okay. they don't they don't like do that. You know what I mean? Like you can't do. It was honestly yeah, yeah. they were talking about charging us with mob action because you because if two people beat up one know. person, like you can technically charge them with mob action, mm-hmm. and we beat the shit out of this dude. He was our friend too. It was like I just was so you know, hung up on like that life. I, he, he like fucked with my connect and I was like, I can't have that, you know? Plus we were always just trying to make a name for ourselves. We like wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. we, we were always like trying to sell drugs and do all this other shit. We were always trying to like look tough, you know? Yeah. Damn, yeah. dude. Oof. And that event. So yeah, I mean, you know, I <laughs> In a, in a minute. So, so you get through high. So you don't get through high school. You get expelled. Do you then? Um, that? Shit. Then I'm I'm like 18. I'm just trying to live my life. I uh, I'm like selling as much drugs as I can. Um, I'm I'm 
at this point, I'm like shooting dope quite a bit. Um, I'm doing quite a bit of heroin because I kind of I kind of went back and forth. My friend's mom, who I mentioned earlier, the cool mom, she was a doc hopper, so she would go around to doctors and uh, collect prescriptions from each of these doctors. And so she had all these prescriptions for like Xanax and morphine. At, at that time, it was Dilaudid. And she could get Oxycontin even sometimes. Mm-hmm. This was like at the end of the Oxycontin yeah. kind of craze. So like doctors weren't just yeah. handing that shit out anymore. Thank God. 80 milligrams of Oxycontin yeah. is fucking enough to kill like two people. Two regular people. Yeah, it's fucking. Yeah. yeah so so insane. at this time, I'm like, even, even through high school, I'm like addicted to Dilaudid, which is just morphine, um, which is just heroin. And I'm like snorting it all the time. And then my friend, uh, who I beat my other friend up with, he was like my best friend. His name was Max. And um, him and I, he was diabetic. So we always had needles. So we just started shooting up everything. I mean, we would shoot up anything. And, and uh, we, we cooked the Dilaudid in vinegar and started shooting that. And then it was like a whole, I mean, that was my whole life. Uh, it, it instantly like took a hold of me because as soon as I did it, I was like, this is how I want to live my life. You know, like, the, like the way yeah. that it made me feel wasn't, was an ender. Yeah. You know, it, it was like, this is, this is it. I, I never want to not feel this good. And, um, so I, I did that for like a whole summer. Um, that kind of ran out. We started doing heroin which was honestly a little more smooth because the Dilaudid is fucking hard. It, it hits you like a mm. fucking punch in the face. Um, for an 18-year-old, I mean, it's just it's insane. Yeah, you have like, yeah, that's crazy because you have like, yeah, the experience behind you with it. And yeah, it's for your young body. Like, I have no idea how Jesus. I compete at the level that I do now in cycling. Like, yeah. That's that's why I like I really want I mean I want to talk to you cuz you really did inspire me to get sober um and or you know part of the part of the inspiration huge part of the inspiration but then I'm like how the fuck do you do like I remember doing AIDS life cycle with you and like sitting in the tent with Fernando just like looking at your strava and shit and just being like how the fuck did you like maintain like <laughs> you know like that fucking mileage every day and like I don't know, it's just you're 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 a fucking Thanks, you're a wonder, dude. Yeah, I I wonder too. I because uh, I really don't know. Like, I I did, I did serious damage to my body, um, especially shooting up vinegar in that Dilaudid. I mean, I blew out all the veins in my left arm. What was the reason for the vinegar? The vinegar, the vinegar uh, kind of breaks vinegar. it down. Yeah. Yeah, but if you miss if you miss your vein, I mean, it's like shooting acid under your skin. It'll it'll close your veins. Like it it it's really bad for you and it hurts very badly. So I I blew out all the veins in my left arm and then it's like kind of noticeable. I don't have like track marks um because I didn't I I'm really yeah, vascular. Yeah. I didn't have to like dig too deep, but yeah, I um and in my in my left leg also because I used to shoot up in my in my calf, um, 
and I and I missed there one time and then fell asleep on my bathroom floor with like my tie off like oh my dad found me it it was like demoralizing dude I mean it was ugly you know they would find burnt up spoons in my room all the time shit like that you know what I mean and you're just like oh when I think back on it I'm like yeah it's super cringy you know it's like man I don't ever want to have to put my parents through that again and thank god I don't but like at that time I didn't think anything of it I was just like oh can you get off my back and to think, and to think that—that yeah, self, yeah, dude, yeah, it's, it's self-centered. Like a, yeah. It's pure self-centeredness. Yeah. Like to I think, would... can you get off my back when they're like, dude, are you shooting drugs? Like, are you? Fu-? I mean, they partied. They they were familiar with you know all this shit, but like they're like, dude, you you can't be shooting drugs. Did your parents? Did no, your parents no. shoot or no? They, they smoked a lot of pot. They got their shit together to raise us, to be honest. I know I said that I, you know, yeah. they partied a lot when I was growing up, but those are mostly like the stories my dad told me. And he had some wild stories, but he got his shit together for us. Like he's, he's a real man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he, he really like yeah. handled his shit to raise us, which like, he's a great dude. Do you have, I feel like, yeah, I have a. Do you have brothers have and brother. sisters, Chris? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. What I thought. That's yeah. I think like. Yeah, I, I mean, like it's it's weird in this world nowadays. Like in twenty twenty one, where like weed is like legal in a lot of places, and people who are like selling yeah. shit on the side to like make money are now like and people who like get put away. Yeah, that's a whole other oh yeah topic too, but. Yeah, yeah, it's fucked up. Um, so when, how did how did you get, how did you get into recovery? Like, was there did you have a rock bottom? Did you have like a, a place that you're just like fuck? Like, I gotta um, do this shit. Like, yes and no. So it's funny you mentioned like, uh, you know, selling weed and weed being legal now. I actually have a felony. I'm a convicted felon for selling weed. Um, I got indicted in 2008, so I was 18. I got indicted in 2008 for a class three felony uh, for manufacturing and distribution of marijuana. That's just what the charge is called. They, um, they huh. wiretapped my phones at, at my home, my home phone at my parents' house, like wiretapped my home phone at my parents' house. And uh, I have all the, I still to this day have all of the conversations on paper that I had over the phone and then uh, with the confidential informant, they had a dude come meet me wearing a wire. Huh. I sold. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, dude, like this investigation shit. probably cost a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Yeah. For for weed. Weed. It wasn't just me. Uh, I was part of like a uh, part of an investigation spanning three counties. And, uh, they got me and like five other people for like just petty ass shit, like super petty. Like one dude, my neighbor across the street, he was like selling a super small amount of crack to, he was a black dude too. He was selling like a super small amount of crack to probably one of his, somebody he thought was his friend. He wasn't a crack dealer. This I'm talking about, this is a very small mm. town. There's, 
if he was a crack dealer, I'd have fucking known it. They just, they just, they just picked people up on whatever they could get them for. And I was just part of it, you know, because that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, so I spent a week in jail yeah. on $75,000 bail. Um, yeah. Yeah. What? Holy shit. Yeah. I remember you telling me the story. I, didn't, I don't remember that. Either. Yeah. I don't think you told me the bail, bail was fucking nuts. Or, I didn't think I was going to get out of there. Um, I finally got to see a judge after a week and um, got a bond reduction. Ended up getting out on like $500. Uh, just like he asked me what I could pay. I'm not a flight risk. I'm just a fucking kid. So they let me out. And then they sentenced me later on <clears throat> to uh, probation. And uh, as part of my probation, obviously, because I copped out as a, as a, as an addict, I was like, oh, you know, I was selling weed to, you know, support my habit because I'm, because I'm a drug addict. And I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm a drug <laughs> addict. So, you know, that's why. And, um, and I guess there's gotta be a reason you're selling weed. It's not just, you know, the money isn't enough for them, yeah, yeah. I guess, like literally for subsistence, I want to pay my bills no, I'm an addict, so um, I uh, was sentenced to two years of probation. 18. How old were you at the day? Um, that two okay. years of probation would end up being like five, and uh, I like could not pass a drug test. And this is kind of a really critical part of my story is that, you know, at this time I had like quit smoking weed sometimes and then I would get back and it would be like I mean debilitatingly hard for me to stop I mean it I got I was so addicted to weed uh like if I didn't have it I would have like panic attacks and anxiety attacks I guess it's not that hard to believe you know but it's the one thing that you can't do if you're on probation because it stays in your system forever you know, and, uh, but mm-hmm. even when I could quit doing that, I would do other shit right before I was about to go see my PO. And, and, and I remember one time cause I failed a couple drops and I made some excuses like, yo, I'm an addict. So I can actually can't help it, you know? And, uh, I used all the cop outs and, and, uh, yeah. I remember one time in particular, I was partying all night the night before. And, um, at this time, I don't think I was smoking weed, but I was drinking like, like a lot. Um, I got really into drinking whiskey and doing Coke and I drank whiskey and did Coke all night the the night before woke up still drunk and went to go see my PO. And he was like, dude, are you drunk right now? And I was like, no, like (laughs) he's like, like yeah, yeah. Like you're gonna outsmart his ass. Fucking boobs on me, dude. I'm yeah. I'm like yeah, yeah. eighteen or nineteen, and and he's like, you know, I can put you in jail right now, right? Like you, I can literally, I have handcuffs on me, like I can put them on you and take you to jail. He's like, why? All you had to do is not drink right before this. All you have to do is piss clean. Basically, telling me like. Dude, just make it look like you're doing the things we're asking you to. And I couldn't even do that. And he was like, why? And I, 
you know, I had all these excuses before. And, and the book talks about this, the, the, the book Alcoholics Anonymous actually talks about this is like, you know, we have a lot of excuses and sometimes we actually believe them. Sometimes we kind of half-ass believe them. And sometimes we're just fucking whistling in the dark. And I told him like, actually don't know why. Like, I don't know why I can't not get oh. high or get drunk. I, I don't know why. And that was the truth because I really didn't at this point because I I'm sitting in this dude's office. He's about to take away my fucking freedom, which is basically the only thing I have. I didn't have much. You know, I grew up kind of broke. I didn't lose anything as a result of my drinking because I never gained anything, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm sitting in front of him and I'm like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't have anything to tell you. Like, sorry. And they just kept giving me chances, you know? And then um, I think it might've been that time. He was like, listen, man, we're like kind of done with you. We're going to revoke, like, we're going to revoke your probation. Um, unless you're in this inpatient rehab at this date, if you're not there, we're putting out a warrant for you. And I'm not, like, not hard to find. I live with my parents. You know what I mean? Like they put out a warrant for me. The cops are coming straight <laughs> yeah. to my fucking door. So, um, so, uh, I checked into rehab very reluctantly. Um, cause, cause I, uh, like part of me, part of me was like, man, I could, I could probably just like take this jail time or even like a short prison sentence and, and like, just get mm-hmm. the shit over with. Like maybe I won't come out on parole, you know, and I'll be able to, I'll be able to just like not be on paper anymore and I can just do whatever I want because I had this short time of sobriety. Um, and in my introduction to recovery, because they put me in this into intensive outpatient program and, uh, sorry, this is kind of long winded, but they, they good. put Go me in it. this intensive outpatient totally program fine. and, uh, I go to the, like, it, it's set up like a class, but I, I show up to it. We're sitting in a circle. We're all introducing ourselves and they start going around and a few people start telling their stories. Like, like they start giving like almost like AA leads, like speaking really genuinely about their life and mm. about addiction and about how they feel. And I had yeah. never heard anybody talk about themselves like this. I'd never heard anybody talk about like not being able to drink or get high. And I didn't know that other people existed that, that, that had words for, for the way that I felt, you know? So when it came around to me, my plan was to just be like, yeah, yeah. You know, I I drank a little too much and this and that. I was just going to try to skirt through it. Like I did everything else. But when it came around to me, I just Mm -hmm. cried. I just cried. And like, I was like, I'm a fucking junkie. I'm like addicted to heroin and I can't fucking stop. And, uh, that was kind of like the beginning. That was like my intro to recovery. It was hard because it, I think there was like two meetings, like actual meetings while I was there, but it helped me a lot, except for the fact that I didn't go to any meetings outside of that place. I didn't do it. I didn't do anything outside of that. Mm. So it was six weeks. I stayed sober from the time that it started to the day that it ended. 
And I, by the end, I just wanted to die. I was just dry and like, oh, I, I felt, mm. I mean, my mind was racing 24-7. I was like that indignant type of sober where if anybody was drinking or doing drugs around me, I just like, I hated them for it. And, uh, I, yeah. And I just, I like wanted to fucking die. And I thought that's what sobriety was like. Thanks. And I, and I thought that's what sobriety was like going to look like for me. You know what I mean? And I didn't want anything to do with that. That's, it was fucking yeah. awful. You know what I mean? I'm like, why would I want to do that? I'd rather die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the early, especially parts when are you don't so have shitty. a real solution. Especially- and that's where I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't have like a real For solution. Sure. I, I was just, yeah. uh, I was dry is what we say, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, yeah, it's super, that, that time period in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you said you were six weeks, right? Yeah. So, I mean, six weeks is like, yep. like, you're like fucking fresh, raw, and just like, you can go through, like, yeah. Like, you can go through, like, work and you can talk to people but like there's just so much that's not that has yet to be like discovered and like worked on I mean the only thing that ever made me feel okay or like a real person or a regular person or like not care that I didn't feel like a regular person was drugs and alcohol and to give that up was like oh I'd rather die that's an easy one you know yeah would you, uh, so you stayed sober for the six weeks? Yeah, I Did drank you the day that and relapse after that? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so then what got you? Well, back? Th- so that this is, into, so this is like early, into this- you know, this is, this is when I'm like 18. Then all okay. this stuff with the PO happened where I'm like, yo, I don't know why I can't not drink. Um, and they're like, well, you got to check into an inpatient rehab or, uh, or you're going to jail or prison, maybe. Um, I probably would have done like a significant amount of time in jail, like some months, and then probably got out on probation again. Same shit would have probably happened, but I don't know. Um, anyway, reluctantly, I chose to go to rehab, and I thought it was going to be 30 days. And <laughs> when 30 days was up, I was like, oh, it is not going to be 30 days. I, I ended up being in there for 100 days. <laughs> Yeah, I needed every bit of it too. Oh, man. So did yeah, you go to rehab technically, twice? Technically, I I, I mean I my... went to like an intensive outpatient, which meant that I was just going home. You know what I mean? I'd go to these classes three days a week mm-hmm. for like six mm-hmm. hours a day, which worked for me because I didn't have a fucking job or anything. I don't know how all the other people there did that, but. So then what stuck? I mean, the seed was planted. Like, what was the like, thing that I, just, like... I realized that there were other people in the world that felt like I did. Like, that they felt, like, not okay mm-hmm. um, without a drink. And that they couldn't not drink. I, I literally did not know that other people. I mean, I had my friends who, you know, looking back were, um, well, not really looking back, but they are addicts and some of them are sober. A lot of like my close circle did get sober. Um, a lot of them died too. Um, some of them died trying to get sober. But 
it, looking, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's tough. Yeah, for sure. So what was, uh, yeah, what, well, before I, what was that? There's that, there's that saying and like, yeah, if like, you know, if you stick around the rooms long enough, like you'll, is it the, the funerals? Um, do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Basically you've become really jaded. <laughs> yeah. I know the one. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but if you, you stay know, in AA long enough, yeah, you'll you know, know a whole about. bunch of people uh, that die. Oh, man, yeah, it's yep. yeah. Sorry for your losses, man, for sure. Um, what? So then you got the seed. Seed pl- was planted for you. What was? What was it like when you were just like, okay, this is the f- way I'm gonna fucking do it? What did you do? Like, what was your your plan to well stay sober? So I'm in rehab, and. Uh... You know, I started to like get honest with them and it wasn't what they wanted to hear. You know what I mean? When I, when I got honest, it wasn't like about my emotions and feelings because I'm too fucking smart for my, I'm like a smart ass. You know what I mean? Like, I think I'm like some type of fucking smart, but really I'm just, I'm a wise ass, you know? And, and, and basically I got honest with them about (laughs) the fact that I was like, I'm never going to stop smoking pot and you cannot convince me that it's bad for you. And and you can't convince me that like it's wrong morally because I had this very moralistic view of sobriety. Like if, if you were going to convince me to be sober, it was going to be from a, from a moral standpoint. As if doing drugs is wrong and being sober mm-hmm. is right, which I still don't believe. Um, I don't think that the moralistic standpoint uh, holds water. Anyway. Do anyway, explain. Do explain. It, it, I want to hear. It just um, – there's nothing wrong <laughs> with doing drugs. That, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with doing drugs. It does not work for me. It does not agree with me. I, I don't think I would have made it this long. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I would have died. Right before I got sober, I, uh, one of the last times I ever shot dope, I had, I had sworn it off. Like I, I was able to kick dope and um, I was like, oh, I can't do that anymore. You know? And then one day I ate a fucking Xanax because I, I got really addicted to Xanax at one point. I was kind of a garbage can. I would literally do anything. And I went through phases and I was addicted to Xanax and Coke. And one day I ate a Xanax and my buddy and I were like, let's get some dope. So we got some dope and, he, and um, we split a bag and he immediately OD'd. Fell out. Me and two other friends, uh, we resuscitated him because we used to do that all the time. We used to like have to resuscitate each other all the time. So he falls out. I resuscitate him. And then um, later on that night, I fell out and he resuscitated me. And that, that was like one of my last times using dope. But it was getting really dark is the point. And I just don't, I just don't think I would have made it much longer, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, I feel like there's like a, like everybody has that point where you know, they just like realize that yeah. it's is too fucking much. Yeah. And, and well, even at that time far. it wasn't like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I I mean, I woke up from that and was like probably shouldn't do that again. 
maybe I'll do a little less next time. You know, and it wasn't like, oh, I got to quit doing dope. I was trying to do dope up until the day that I left for rehab. And here's the thing is if I would have tested positive for, uh, for opiates, getting into like going to that rehab because they test you when you first get in, they wouldn't have taken me because they didn't have a nurse on, mm-hmm. on site. And mm-hmm. I shot dope the day before I went into that mm-hmm. rehab and just drank like fucking five gallons of water and just pissed water. So I'm just, I'm really fortunate that I got into that fucking rehab because it changed my life. Did you, uh, so what was your, what was your first, after you, so you relapsed, what was your, when you, when it finally stuck, cause you like had gotten to the point where you're like, this is fucking it. Like, this is what I got to fucking do. What was your life like? How did, what did you do to change it? Like, how did you get well, out? You know, here's, like, the, here's of, like, the thing. It, when I got sober, on June 5th, 2010, that was the day that I checked into that rehab. My life wasn't as bad as it had been when I was, I wasn't shooting dope every day at that point. Mm. Um, I didn't, I had legal trouble, um, but it was kind of stagnant legal trouble. It was just like, I I just had the shit hanging over me. I had a few charges Mm. at this time. Um, yeah, yeah. I had a, like a battery charge and a consumption charge. I had a, I had a few different like petty stuff, and then I got that felony. My life wasn't as bad as it had been, um, but what had happened was I I got the opportunity to to go to rehab, and I don't know that I'll ever get another opportunity like that again. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when I look back on that mm. now. My biggest thing is like I don't ever want to have to get sober again. Getting sober was a fucking nightmare. I mean, it, it it's yeah. like hard to not be nostalgic about it and be like, "Oh man, that was a great time." It was not a great time. Um, getting sober sucks. My life is really good now. This is the result of a, a whole lot of work, you know. Yeah, for sure. The, if you don't put the work in, it's yeah. Like- yeah, it just mean, being dry mean. makes my life way worse. Mm-hmm. Um, what was, so what did you do? What was the, what were your steps? Like you went to rehab? Did you? So like, did you move I went to rehab for a hundred days, and part uh, of the deal when I was in when I when I was in rehab okay. was that I could. Um, they kind of gave me like they gave me the option to go to aftercare. Because they, I mean, they wanted me to go to aftercare because that's what they want you to do after you go to rehab Mm -hmm. because you don't just go back to the people, places, and things from which you came um, because that's stupid. So they gave me the option to move into a halfway house in Chicago. And if you're from a small town in Illinois, like I'm from, if you move to Chicago, you've made it. That's it. You made it. You're now successful. So, yeah. No, but, but Congratulations. honestly, you're, you're I was good. like, man, I could live in Chicago. I, my life can be different. Like there is opportunity there. If I can, if I can like get my shit together and live in Chicago and these people are going to try to help me, like I'll do anything, you know, it, it, 
so it kind of came mm-hmm. as a manifestation of like step two. Like I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And really I came to believe that I came to believe that my life could look different because I didn't believe it. I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm, I'm going to live in this black hole of a fucking town for the rest of my, like probably pretty short life. And I had kind of accepted that. And, um, the prospect of living in a big city kind of did it for me, to be honest. It was like opportunity, you know, I didn't, I knew that I, if I blew this, I was never going to get an opportunity like that again, you know? Oh, um, well then how did you get to, well, how did you so, get to California then? So I left rehab after a hundred days and I moved to Chicago and this is kind of what early sobriety looked like for me. It wasn't, it wasn't like pretty, I moved to Chicago to this fucking halfway house on the North side, which I can't speak for every halfway house. Many of them are just grifts. Um, they're really shady businesses. Usually this was kind of that. It was a place on the North side called men's residence North. Um, I mean, bless them. They fucking did all they could for me. I was a fucking asshole in early sobriety. Um, and I, and I moved there. I was 20. Um, and I lived with like all ex-cons, like people that are straight out of the joint for fucking 15 years. Like it was rough, dude. It, I mean, it was, it was a halfway house. So I lived there and they eventually kicked me out yeah. because I couldn't find work. I didn't know how to get a job. I didn't know how to ask anybody to get a job. I wasn't desperate enough to like really do the work. So I went to a lot of meetings because that was part of what I needed to do. And uh, they kicked me out of there. I was homeless for a little while. I lived at Salvation Army, and then I got into another halfway house. They ended up kicking me out too, and then I moved in with this ex-girlfriend. And at this time, I had gotten a sponsor, and I was like interested in the steps. This is like a how, year. Long, how long was this into, into that? So a year of being dry okay, and doing nothing but going to meetings. Cause that's all I knew mm. when I went to meetings, I felt okay. When I left, it was like a drink, you know, I would go to meetings. I'd go to a meeting. I'd say I had the lingo down so I could, I could talk a really fucking good game, you know, but I was <laughs> basically homeless and I had no money. <laughs> um, and I didn't have any real relationships either. And I, I didn't have anything, you know what I mean? My life was pretty empty. And um, I fucking, uh, it, like a year in, I was like, man, I'm either going to work the steps or I'm going to kill myself. Because drinking is not going to work for me anymore. I already know that. Like, it's a miserable fucking road. I don't really want to go down it again. And... I can't really take much more of this sobriety shit. Like this shit hurts, you know, I was just raw again. Did you, when you stopped, did you stop drinking? Did you stop doing drugs? And then did you stop drinking? Um, or did you No, I did drugs and drank until the day I got sober. On June 4th, I shot dope and mm, smoked okay. weed and drank. 
And on June 5th, I checked into that rehab and I've been sober since. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. I think that some people do like, cause I know a people who are like, you know, they're like hardcore yeah. heroin addicts, but then like still drink or are so like consider themselves sober, but still, you know, smoke weed or whatever. And yeah, I, I mean, it does, I understand it. But yeah. Just, no, sure no, it, it wasn't going to happen like that for me. I'm, I like really have this, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't, I don't have there, there's not going to mm-hmm. be any like, Oh, maybe I can do this and not that. There's not going to be any of that for me. I, I've mm-hmm. tried that. Mm-hmm. I've tried to quit one and keep the other. And I, I tried all the tricks um, before I got sober, which I'm grateful for because I know that shit does not work for me. Yeah, it's. I feel like it's like like you were saying, like you do whatever you want, like with drugs and shit. But like, it's really yeah. to when it comes down to it, it's like to their own. Yeah, like, I mean, if you're happy with your life, manage. fucking great. I'm happy for you. Um, cool. Um, so you mm-hmm. ha- living with your ex girlfriend and yep. getting sober yep. then? I got and that's to another jumping off point. Kind of hit a bottom in in early sobriety. Where I was just like, man, I can't take much more of this. This fucking sucks. And I started working the steps and things started to change my life really quickly. Um, I uh, got with like a really cool group of friends who, who they were into art. They were into bikes. Um, this is, yeah. Yeah. This is um, actually Cycle. how I got into like cycling you, yeah. was nice. in early sobriety there was um, this guy who was sober and he used to like to just do cool shit. Like they would go out all night and like paint on the South side, like just write like paint and write graffiti or like uh, go break into abandoned buildings and shoot photos. Cause he was also a photographer. He's kind of a Jack of all trades. Um, His name's Jordan. Um, I actually moved to California um, not with him. He moved here to be with a girl, but I moved in with him a couple months after he moved here. He was my best friend in Chicago, but I, oh. you know, I met him right when my life was just starting to turn around. I was working the steps. Um, and they kind of showed me that like, as cliche as this sounds and this sounds so dumb, but like that you could have a cool ass life in sobriety. Cause I didn't know that, you know, like, <laughs> It's but cliche, you don't but fucking it, know it, unless you know some people so who are doing sense. cool shit, you know? And that's kind of, that's like where I was. Oh. No, yeah, I mean, that makes total sense, but that's, I, I, I had pondered sobriety for, for a while with just a lot of things. Just, I started seeing my walls closing in. And then when I met, when I met you and I met, uh, Ziggy and a couple of other people like I was just like you guys are fucking rad doing cool shit with bikes and like I want to fucking do that but I don't know how to separate the I don't know how to separate the drinking from the cycling or all that shit but somehow you guys fucking yeah, did it it's, and I thought it was fucking badass it's fucking awesome well, I get it, I get it's it so man. cool it makes so much sense hell yeah so you got to California and then it was just Again, LA. I lost you. You're good. 
Um, um, was this LA yeah, when you moved I, to California? I, I moved. Uh, moved in with my homie who oh. lived in Echo Park with his girlfriend. They were nice enough to like take me in. <laughs> you know, I. Um, it's funny when I moved to LA, I had never seen a palm tree before. I had never seen the ocean. I had never seen like a mountain. Um, any anything like how I live now. Um, because I grew up in the Midwest and there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful fucking city, man. Like, especially Echo Park. It's Echo funny Park you say that because when I moved into Echo Park, the whole Echo Park Lake was still under construction. So it was just a fucking construction site. This is oh, eight shit. years ago. It was. Yeah. That's crazy and beautiful. Like, I love fucking beautiful. Yeah, I can't imagine what that. Yeah, it was literally like, like a big blue like tarp moved in. around the whole lake. Now it's like where they shoot every fucking commercial <laughs> and every show and like, like all. Yeah. I mean, I see it on TV all the time because it's, it's beautiful. They put like a million dollars into it. It is. It is. I can't. I was watching some show the other day. They did. I, they referenced Echo Park and like they shot a couple things there. Yeah, I was like, yeah it's they still live over there. So it's pretty cool. cool. That's fucking late. Yeah, but not That's as cool. much. You still talk um, to them? They actually just had a kid recently. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. Still sober, nice. man. He and still sober. Honestly, he he was such an amazing friend. You know, he was such a, a, a perfect example of like how to re- how to live a rad life in sobriety. I'm endlessly grateful for Jordan. He he fucking he did so much for me, dude. So cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting with so like I feel like sobriety for me, like when I saw recovery, like it like the way that it's represented or it was represented, maybe it's still represented this way. is like that you're like a fucking square and like, you don't do fucking shit. Like you're just this person who doesn't drink or party. And like, there's like a whole different fucking life. Like that's fucking rad. And there's a lot of cool ass people doing cool shit who don't drink and smoke and do all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, um, when I was living in Chicago, I, I, and I was, you know, hanging out with Jordan a lot and that like kind of that group of friends. Um, there's like a really tight knit, uh, YPA scene, which is young people and Alcoholics Anonymous, um, scene in, uh, Chicago. And they used to have parties all the time and like, and they weren't cheesy or stupid. Like they were cool, man. Um, Cause I had partied, you know what I mean? Like I partied on fucking frat campuses and like I had seen like real parties and like, I mean, the shit was fun. You know, I had a, I had a really, I don't want to say a good time because I think that's kind of exaggerating. I had a pretty awkward time, but it also was like, cool. You know, I was like, yeah, I was like, well, when I feel a little bit more yeah, comfortable in my skin, sure. I have this to look forward to. And I was right. I mean, it, it, it was it was tight. It's so interesting. It's interesting that you say that about just 
how you feel awkward and just kind of feel out of place. Cause like, I just, I don't know, maybe this is just, I don't know, maybe it's just, just me, but like whenever I've met you, like, I've like been, like hung out with you and stuff. Like you're one of like the most outgoing people I know. Like for sure. Like you're really talkative. Um, no, I, and I don't know, I maybe mean, am I wrong about that? I like to like learn about people. I like to like, I like to talk to people. Um, I don't have that awkwardness anymore. I had to grow out of that a little bit though. I mean, mm. in early sobriety, I had to learn how to talk to people it, and it yeah. was hard. Um, that's like one of the things, you know, what also is, was really important to me and was something that I, I just was missing from my life is like my sex life in sobriety. I had to, I had to relearn how to do all that shit too. Like how to court women, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it was just different. There was no alcohol. There was no social lubricant. There was nothing to coalesce around. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, it's a fucking weird ass. I mean, I, I'm not, I didn't have that part, but like, yeah, I get it. I mean, I, I can, I can imagine because it's weird. Like, I, I, like, I can only imagine because it's like my wife's sober and she got sober before me, but like, even, yeah, like, even those like interactions, like, yeah, beforehand were so much easier and just kind of like not, no, I guess not awkward, but like in a way, just like, weird to say but like meaningless like there was just like no connection it was just like this is it <laughs> like this is what we're doing um and it's not it was like i be like sobriety like removes all of that all of that like that like yeah. i guess lubricant you know for the lack of a better term but yeah it's weird it's it's fucking weird but you get, i mean you get there because obviously like i said yeah, you're like you. one of those outgoing people i know um, I mean, I'm serious, dude. Every time I've seen you talk, like being on AIDS life cycle with you, or just like seeing you, like when we did go to when we were in San Francisco when I first had met you, like a few years back, you were like talking to fucking every, you were fucking talking to my wife and shit, and like I, and you, we, we, we went, we went and got mm-hmm. ice cream. I remember we like walked down from that. I think so. We're, we were at um, vendors. Yep. And. Yeah, 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 and we walked and got ice cream. I, but I was—I remember—I was fucking high out of my mind. Super, but I remember like Ronnie was like, "Yeah, we're or like they're gonna go, they're gonna go get ice cream." And I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, let's like get ice cream." But I remember even being high as shit, but, but like being thinking like, I don't understand like, like you and Ziggy were were anomalies to me because like I had never met people who could hang out with a bunch of fucking partiers and then just like do like do the hangout but then also like hang out at bars and like fucking hang out with people who are just like partying like hardcore and shit but then like i remember i think it was you you told me you were like you just gotta like take fucking walks and like laps and shit and but i remember that as like being like oh maybe you're were you just like you were just like trying to get out but it's yeah it's a yeah, I don't know. That really helped me. For some reason, that that memory has like stuck stuck on my brain. Of like that was like I remember like watching you and just being like high out of my mind, but also being like, "What the fuck? Like, how are you? Like, it's I know so you're sober, but how are you like handling this?" You, you know, it it kind of serves the point too that you never know who is watching. You know, it just by being 
literally mm-hmm. just being yourself and being comfortable, like, which is the reason that we do the work right in, in AA, if we're talking about being sober through AA, the reason we do the work is so that we're comfortable in our skin and that we can live cool lives and, and be whole people who people want to be around. And like, I mean, it took, it took work for me to be able to hang out in a bar and then not have people um, kind of notice that I'm not drinking, you know, because I don't want to be the guy who's like fucking mm. lame, like at the bar, not drinking. And you can tell, like, I don't want to be yeah. the guy at the bar who needs a drink. Well, I think for me, I think I, I knew you were sober. I don't think I, I mean, I, I remember by the time that we had gotten to San Francisco, I was like, I was ready to jump on board. Yeah. Like that, that after that ride is when I got sober. And I remember, I remember think like that entire week, I just like, like, I just remember that instant of being like at the bar with you. And then just like, just it was like it, I don't know. It's like that whole thing yep. with like attraction versus prom- or like rather than promotion, and like I just fucked up the fact that like you didn't have to do all that shit to like talk to people, and like yeah, yeah I mean it was it was it was pretty fucking cool, man. Like I just remember that it's it's it is ingrained in my brain, and like I will never forget any of that because it was just it was like the tipping point for me. I was like, oh, so you can like live a fucking cool ass life, and like do cool shit, hang out with cool people and like eventually maybe get to a bar. I remember that was like a struggle on its own. It was like getting to bars and hanging with friends um, when I was sober in the beginning. But yeah, at that time when when we had met, I probably was a bartender also. (laughs) You were. And I remember that blowing my fucking mind. too. I was like, I remember telling my wife had been a, a year sober then. And she was like, she was, we were talking, she was asking me about you. And I was like, yeah, like, I think he's like a fucking bartender. And she's like, how the fuck does he do that? Like, I don't know, man. I have no idea how, how did you, I want to I'm actually curious now. How did you do that? Um, no, how do, I, I do you mean, still, you don't bartend. Still, I got do hit you? by a car late 2019 and shattered my radius. And, um, was just on, I was like riding the disability wave for like a little while, kind of like a degenerate. And because uh, I was trying to race bikes, and, well, for a long time I was recovering. I, I had to have surgery. I got fucking 10 screws and a plate in my wrist. Um, took me a long time to recover from that. And then uh, Q2020, we're in pandemic. So um, I haven't had to work in a bar for. A couple years now, I'm actually um, coaching cyclists. Oh, cool! It's I don't cool. think I knew that. Yeah, That's it's, awesome. it's really cool. I'm I'm That's really grateful man. for that because I eventually I want to get educated in in how to exactly help people like in and be able to like work in in kind of the periphery healthcare. Um, you know. Mm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you'd be great at that. You, I think you'd be, yeah, you'd be awesome at that. Um, so what's your life like after all of the shit oh. that we talked about? What is your life like now? It's it's complicated, you know. Um, 
I have a good life, first of all. Um, I do like my life. Uh, I don't think about killing myself all the time, um, which is a, a great start, at least. Even, even though you literally I, just posted a fucking I meme do. about thinking that's, about death. That's different. Like, though. all the fucking time. Um, okay, all right. Uh, well... Um, what's, wait, hold on a sec. Really, what's the difference, Chris? First of all, I just want to say that I wouldn't lie to you um, about that. Uh, and it's not that I don't think <laughs> about, like, killing myself, because I'm still really morbid. Um, it's just that uh, mm-hmm. I don't think about drinking. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it, it, like, it and used killing. to be that if anything inconvenient... Yeah. or catastrophic even, happened in my life, I would just be like, well, I guess I'm going to drink. You know, and I never have that thought anymore. I don't think about drinking. Or at least I don't obsess over drinking. Of course, the thought crosses my mind once in a while. I'm not like, I don't have a frontal lobotomy. But I I don't obsess over drinking at all. I never have the urge to drink or do drugs. It just doesn't. That shit has been removed from me. And and I have to attribute that to AA, honestly. I don't I don't want to be a representative of AA because I am just a person and I have many flaws. I am yeah. far from perfect. Um, so please don't, you know, anybody listening to this, I am not a representative of AA. AA has saved my life, though. Um, there are many different kinds of people in AA. There are many different types of meetings. There is something for everybody. I've experienced a lot of it. I've watched a lot of different types of people recover from alcoholism. But yeah, the difference between wanting to kill myself and thinking about death a lot. I've always thought about death a lot. For some reason. Just for some reason. Like what happens? Um, I mean, mostly that. Like what, what the fuck happens? Then what? You know? I, I wonder. A lot. Yeah. That was, that was one question that I needed to like, I know that I, <laughs> I didn't write down, but I know it was like, oh, I gotta, we got to talk about this at some point. Mm. You know, I... Are you, you're an atheist, right? I don't know yes. to what. what and it um, really doesn't even matter to me. I don't even care. Okay. Um, yeah, to be honest, like... Yeah. I remember asking you and Ziggy that question like all the fucking time because yeah. I was just, I'm because I was a fucking atheist for a long fucking time. I got into AA and then I was like, I, I mean, I don't believe in Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I know he existed, but I don't like pray to Jesus. But like at the same time, like I'm at least able to like morph my mind to be like, yeah, like I'm not the, f- I'm like a fucking egotistical bastard who yeah. will fucking burn everything down if I really can. I need I need to, to admit that like I'm not the fuck, and that's kind of the point. And um, it, I don't have to believe um, in any certain god. Yeah, I don't have to believe in God at all. I just have to believe that I'm not it. That's it. But it's a fucking hard. I mean, I think back to the beginning beginning of this conversation. It's like it's yeah. so hard when you are a self centered person to like get over that piece of like. I mean, I think for me, it clicked. There was a point, like, I think I've been sober two years and seven months. And I think 
that this year with going steps again, like I've it clicked for me that I'm like, oh, like I'm only person who exists on this fucking planet. Like I, I, I worked the steps before, but like it's worth I going through them it. poorly. Like I, was like, I just want to get this shit done. It is. It's worth just getting through them the first time because yeah. you can I always mean, I, do it again, and you probably should. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, I've been through how many times have you? Two, and then most of, like most of the third time. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, speaking of step and. Move, move before we move on to the next couple of the final questions. Um, you we talked mm-hmm. about how you kicked your best friend's ass, mm-hmm. and we talked about yeah. that amends because amends are fucking hard, man. Like, I how did that how did that go? Did you, did um, so yeah, this one, this is one that weighed heavy on me. Um, for some reason, you know, uh, there were other people that I had like hurt worse. And in more detrimental ways, because this was mostly a physical thing. Like, yeah, I just beat this dude up and he didn't fucking deserve to get beat up or, you know. um, But so. Well, I'm a relationship like we never hung out again after that. And I left for rehab, you know, probably a year and a half after that. So it wasn't like we were just around each other, but not. You know, it wasn't like this long drawn out thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it came time to do my amends, okay. it was like a, it was like burning. It was like a fucking fire inside of me. I was like, um, first of all, I had to go back to my family. Like as soon as I wrote my eighth step, which is, you know, we write a list of people we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. So I wrote my list of people that comes from my fourth step, my moral inventory. And, uh, once I, once I had that list of people, I was like, man, I need to do this now. Like for, for some reason, there was just this crazy urgency to go back to my family as soon as I could and make amends to them. And, um, for some reason he, he kind of got, um, swept into that wave of amends as well just because it was so fresh in my mind i guess um but really how it went i think i was messaging him it was like the only way i kind of knew how to reach him i don't know if i called i don't remember Mm. but i kind of did a lot of my amends the same way where i wrote them out first i acknowledged everything that i had done to this person um I told them that that wasn't something that they, uh, that they deserved. Um, I told them, you know, uh, God, I would have to look at, it's been a little while since I've made an amend, but you know, one of, one of the things that always stands out to me in that my first sponsor taught me, I had really good sponsorship when I was getting sober, um, was that I had to fucking stop saying sorry. Cause f- for me, the, mm. the, 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 like saying sorry was like the oops button. Like just hit the hit the fucking button. Yeah. Oops. You know? And uh yeah. Which it doesn't mean shit. It just is I like was a the... sorry ass, dude. I, I I was always sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I fucking 
I was like, sorry, <laughs> I was sorry about fucking everything. <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't know what that meant. You know, I actually, I actually remember the day that I learned what, what it meant to be sorry. I was sitting in a meeting in this, it was this girl's first meeting and she was talking about how she was telling her parents that she was sorry, um, that she either drank or acted on an eating disorder. I think it was like kind of insignificant to me. It wasn't anything like crazy outlandish, but she was like, I told them that I was sorry, but I knew that I was going to do it again. And I realized like, Oh shit. That's what being sorry means is that I'm not going to do that again. I literally was sitting in a meeting and it just like clicked. I was like, Holy fuck. I don't know even what it means to be sorry. Um, so uh, we don't say sorry. We um, acknowledge all the wrongs done to this person. And uh, we ask if there's anything that I can do to make it right. You know, and um, in this case, there was, there was nothing. There was nothing that he uh, asked of me, you know. And, you know, too, part, a big part of the amends process is that I get to go back to these people and say, like, like, not only will I never do that to you again, I don't treat people this way anymore. Yeah. I am right now doing the work that needs to be done so that I never have to act this way again. You know, and I, and I got to go back to my parents and tell mm-hmm. them, like, hey, you guys, I'm really sorry all those years that you, you know had to listen to me talk about how I wanted to fucking kill myself and my life was so miserable when they're literally doing everything they fucking can for me, you know? And I was like, you, you don't ever have to hear me say that shit again, you know? And that, that was really fucking powerful for me. Mm. I mean, I did shit to my little brother growing up and I think this is probably just growing up being brothers. Like some of it's just, you know, growing up, but I was fucking malicious, dude. I, I, you know, I had no sense of like, this is another person. I, I had that self-centeredness where I'm the center of the fucking universe. And, you know, we, we used to fight and I used to beat him up. And one day he punched me right in the fucking face. And I was like the last time I <laughs> ever beat him up because he's bigger than I am. So um, mm. I'm so glad he did that because I was such an asshole to him, you know. But I got I got to go, you know, go back to him and acknowledge wrongdoings and make amends to him. Yeah, it's it's a powerful it really is a powerful step. And very, very freeing. And I and I think even I don't know why it has hasn't ever clicked until you you don't said it just now to me is like really it's like when you apologize or not apologize, but when you like make the amends, it's like what you just said. It's like, I'm doing the things in my life to not ever fucking do that again. Yep. And like, that's fucking powerful, really powerful. And like, yeah, that hits hard. Yeah. Fucking hard, man. Um, so nowadays you race bikes mm-hmm. and are a coach. Yep. Uh, what What do you do to stay grounded now? What is your Oh man. Your, your, do you have like said you're going to meetings or do you like when you can? Um, but what helps you? Um, God, so many things. Like, 
I have a, I have a, a whole life, you know, um, which isn't ever something that I had before I got sober. I didn't have shit to do. You know what I mean? I, I like, I have to prep meals. I have to train. I have to like, uh, I mean, I run this team, so I, I have to get them ready to go race or help, you know, help them to, to, to get ready to go race. Um, and, and they're the same as me. I don't mean to be like, Oh, I'm the fucking boss, but, um, <laughs> but it's, it, it, it's my team and I'm kind of running it. So, it um, that's like some responsibility. I, I have to show up for that. That's just one thing I have to show up for. Um, I have to show up for my clients, the people that I'm coaching my athletes, like, I, I want to do all I can for them. And then I have my friends, you know, I, I have friends from AA from 10 years ago, you know, uh, dude, I have friends all over the country from going to young people's conventions. Um, my best friend, Ruth, um, we dated for a little while, like fuck, like eight years ago, seven years ago. She's my best friend now. She's sober. She, I mean, I was basically using her as a sponsor for a while because I just was kind of dry and like, you know, too focused on other stuff. But, um, how long has Ruth been sober? Oh, like, oh man, for a while. It sucks that I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like 14 years now, I think. Oh, I think my- she's like 14. Yeah. My friend Jordan, like I said, like I was, I was talking about earlier, he's been sober for like 15 or 16 now. We're fucking old heads. I've been sober for 10 years, dude. You've been sober sober for 10 years? Yeah, I got sober when I was 20. Jesus Christ. I've never had a legal drink of alcohol. Damn, dude. Yeah, it's it's fucking wild, man. Um, The time just kind of goes by. Um, I mean, I think the last time I had asked you, I remember when I had asked you a couple years, you were eight years. Um. What, what AIDS life cycle two years ago? Yeah, years ago, we went to that meeting. Uh, and Aaron got her chip. Yep. Um, my anniversary is always during the ride. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, June fifth. Yeah, I remember. Well, I remember first talking about it, and I remember you telling me for. Eight, I think it would have been eight years. Is it ten years this year for you? Uh, eleven in June. Okay. Damn, dude. Wild. That is crazy. Um, what do you what do? What do you have for? I, I've I've talked to other people about this this question, and some people agree, some people don't with this terminology. Um, you know, in AA we call them newcomers. Um, but do you? What do you recommend for people who are either newcomers? The people who are like so who are sober curious. Oh, you know it's tough. I and I have whenever I talk about being sober, like on Instagram or anything, because I have like a small following on Instagram. Whenever I and I talk about being sober on Instagram for this sake, but people will reach out to me, and every case is different. You know what I mean? It's and and I try to tell people like. AA is probably not what you think it is, you know, because I'm like not about that fucking Christian life. Like that is not who I am. I don't want anything to do with any type of church, 
or Christian God or any of that fucking garbage. Like, miss me with that. And <laughs> people get hung up on the God thing, you know, and it's sad. I mean, I've watched people struggle for fucking years over just the, the word God, you know, and I'm, I'm fortunate because I didn't have any like religious upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I kind of came in totally agnostic, which is kind of the best thing that can happen to you yeah. coming into AA. Cause people got real baggage around the God thing. Oh yeah. You know, every person I, every person I sponsor, they're like, Oh, I heard you talk and I heard you hate God. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, I do too. Let's, I want you to, and I'm like, cool, man. Like, let's, let's do it. But like, let's hate God together. Yeah, we'll take them on. But anyways, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's pretty great. It's pretty. I have gotten a pretty every sponsor I get. That's like one of the first things that they say to me. Like, yeah, share like especially during COVID. They're like, oh, I heard you share on this meeting, and um, you said you, you said you don't pray when you do the Serenity Prayer, and like, and I was like, yeah, I don't. I mean, I I kind of do it, but like they're like. And I was like, awesome, man, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's really, I mean, yeah, some of the, the, the deepest talks that I get into with people are like, like deconstructing their Christian mind and like being like, how do you adapt to this program that has God in so many, you know, sentences and paragraphs and shit? Yep. Part of yeah. So, what's your recommendation? I mean, so that, like, forget what you think you know. And I have to do this too. I have to set aside the things that I think I know and uh, be willing to have a new experience. And that's kind of the story of my sobriety too. I mean, that's how I got sober is I came to believe that my life could look differently and be different. And I never thought that. And then it just fucking, I like gave... I gave something a chance, you know, like, honestly, I, when I got sober, it was just an opportunity. My life was not as bad as it had ever been. I could have fucking probably went on for a couple more years, but I, I got that opportunity and I didn't know if I would ever get one again. Mm-hmm. And you don't know when it's going to be your last opportunity to get sober. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my suggestion is to take one. You know, like, like at some point you have to take the opportunity or, I mean, if you're into what I'm into, you're not going to make it very long, you know? Yeah. It's like, I, I don't, every once in a while, like, I I do think about that to myself, like, you know, I'm sick of this shit, (laughs) you know, like, I don't want to have to, I mean, because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of fucking work to be sober. Um, Yeah. It's not a... But it's like, I was talking to somebody the other day and it's like, well, like if I'm so, if I'm like so sick of it or so whatever, like, is it worth like holding on to all this other bullshit or like going back to all this bullshit? Like, is my, would my life be better with that? Like, no, absolutely not. And it's just like taking, yeah. taking that chance. Um, yeah, man, I totally, I totally agree with you. Um, any last question is do you have any recommendations not related to sobriety or any in recovery anything to check out music pages check out anything anything that oh god keeps you 
because like i feel like for me at least and this kind of go this will go back to sobriety for a second is like being sober is like we were just saying it's like a fucking 24 you know 24 hour job but like sometimes like it can just be super over you like you can just consume a lot um Mm -hmm. so what do you do to like balance that out so your life isn't just that man it it took me a little while to like find some balance in sobriety because my my life once i got into the steps and and really got into actual aa not just going to meetings because that's not what aa is aa is a program if you're not doing the program you're not really in aa you know once i actually started doing aa i i basically made my life about aa and i had to do that you know for a little while and i know a lot of people do that yeah and i think that's probably the right move i mean if you if, if your life is dependent on it um prioritize it but you know i have a i have a pretty balanced life these days like i mean i find a lot of expression which is important to me i i find a lot of expression in like physicality you know like in in the physical things that i do obviously you know i i ride bikes like that is really what i do um i love it you know and uh i i, I like to lift weights i like to train people you know what I mean? I, I like to help people. And, and I, you know, AA has taught me how to like just show up for people and, and help people in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and which is such a blessing because it's like the thing that keeps me from literally obsessing about myself around the clock. So, I mean, if you have an opportunity to help people that that's awesome. I mean, some of the stuff, some of some of the stuff that I love the most to like read and and like the podcasts that I love the most they make me miserable, <laughs> like miserable. I love listening to like uh, political podcasts yeah. and like I mean I'm I'm deep in it and it fucking ruins my life. I know that's. So, a... <laughs> I'm yeah. not gonna suggest it. No, yeah. <laughs> will not suggest you post some. You post some. I mean, I've gotten into a lot of good pages from you, um, but yeah, it's. I, I I think you like what you were saying just now is totally correct. Like for just in general, it's like for what I've a big thing that I've learned in AA is like service and like yep. just helping other people and like what I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be. AA related but like that was a big takeaway that like I was never like I've worked with people I've quote unquote helped people like all my life but like I didn't actually start helping people without a fucking like without like that whole you know self-centered bullshit yeah motive like the thing of like I want something in return it's just Mm -hmm. like straight up hey man like I just want to help you because that's it like I just because you deserve the chance or you deserve like every human being deserves kindness. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, I don't agree with you on that. Like wholeheartedly. It's like, I can get into shit. I can get into politics and get into all the current events, but it's fucking miserable. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that, I mean, that shit is important to me. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to like steer people completely away from being politically aware, but um, 
there there comes a point where like it, being aware is not enough and we and we have to like act so that's kind of where i'm at right now trying to figure out how to uh like actually affect change in in my community and in my own life politically well i mean i think you i, I really do think that like i don't know I, I maybe this is like my own thing with you of just like knowing you within the cycling scene and knowing you prior to a, like other just just cycling in general but like mm-hmm. i think and then like seeing the shit that you like that you'd post for your the following that you do have on instagram it's like how just like really i don't know you just inspire the shit out of me to like be sober and like see like just seeing all the cool shit you do like it just in general was like so helpful to my ass being in recovery like i don't know i i I think that's another just like kind of my own diatribe like i can't thank you enough chris like i really can't Um, i appreciate you saying that man it make it makes it worth it you know like the best way to carry the message is to live an attractive life and i do try to do that i mean not just i mean for myself because i want to live uh, a a cool life but i'm glad that people find it attractive enough to wonder what i've done and what i've been through and you know that that like if they struggle with the same things that they can they can have good things, you know. Well, it's you know, it's but I think just in general, like I think now it's such an like it's such a different time than when you and I grew up, uh, with just the exposure. Like seeing being like being in the cycling scene and like being a cyclist myself, and then seeing you race crits and fucking like you know podium and shit and like fucking getting the booze that people have and like pouring them pouring it out instead of fucking spraying it like there was something about that that i was just like that's fucking sick yeah, <laughs> yeah. like and i remember being dr- like a drunk and doing that I, like watch like seeing those photos of you but then at the same time being like that's fucking awesome like this <laughs> fucker just like gives no fucks and like i don't know like you know it's like when you're when you go to programs and you're an aa like your friends are all fucking you know it they're they're all different ages you know and like a lot mm-hmm. of old timers a lot of my friends are old people and like you know it's just it was it, it's refreshed yeah, I remember just just that in general i just it, it's good to see your presence doing stuff out out there related to sobriety and like being open about it all that shit. It's, it's super inspiring man yeah thank you man yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that for sure well chris it's been about an hour and some change. Um, do you have anything else left to say? God, I think I've rambled on quite enough. No, man. I think <laughs> I, I think you had a lot of good stuff, man. I'm really, really, really happy you came out to talk. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you had me. Thank you. Of Appreciate it. All uh, this episode will will air this Saturday, so I'll post it, send you some stuff, and. I might bug you after this just to get some um, like pictures or links or anything like to like guillotine um, so that I can promote it for you too. Dude. Awesome. Yeah. No, I, I love that. It's not bugging me at all. I, oh. I love that. Awesome, man. Well, you have a good night. Okay. Yeah. You too, man. Have a good one. You too. Bye.